Hi, this is Nicole Roberts-Jones, and welcome to the Faith, Purpose, Profit, what I like to call the FPP podcast. What I know for sure is that one of life's greatest gifts will meet you when you go after living as the highest and best version of who God created you to be. So here's where I share thought-provoking insight and behind-the-curtain conversations that will activate you into your next level. See, I'm not here for who you already are, but for who you have not yet become. And I want you to get this. One idea from these episodes can make a remarkable difference, not just in your purpose-focused business, but in your life. Also, make sure you join the conversation in our Facebook group. Go to thebrilliancetribe.com. Now grab your pen as we begin today's session of the Faith Purpose Profit Podcast. So I'm excited to continue a five part series that we started weeks ago and the series is called dominate in your lane the insight you need to have a strong foundation in your business if you want to have a profitable business so many people don't realize that you've got to dominate in your lane and that domination is the strong foundation and if you don't realize what i'm talking about i'm talking about your purpose so many people overlook it think they have it clear and they don't And so I dug deep into that in week one. Week two, our conversation was you must be savage in your business. And that is a play on I'm a savage, Megan the Stallion's uh, song, but I did it in a whole different uh, purpose-focused way. But you've really got to be savage in your business. Unstoppable. You've got to be unapologetic, clear and focused and stop shifting with the wind. I went deep into that in week two. And then in week three, I talked about, which was last week, you got to stop treating your business like a booty call, your purpose-focused business like a booty call. You've got to be fully committed to it. So if you missed any of those parts of part one, two, or three, I want to encourage you to go listen to our podcast. Those of you that don't know, we do a weekly wrap-up on Fridays, and that is our podcast. That's fpppodcast.com, so that you can get a full the full insight and full steps I walk you through each week because the way I teach everything builds on the next and you do need all five of these parts in this series if you're going to have a profitable business which starts with you dominating in your lane so now we're in week four week four or part four in this series and our conversation today is you've got to leverage first so you can scale You've got to leverage first you can scale. I hear so many people talking about they want to leverage so they can scale, but what they don't realize is they haven't fully leveraged their brilliance, their purpose. And that's the conversation we're having today. So listen, there's a Bible verse that says, Proverbs 18, 16, that says a man's gift makes room for him or her, because I see ladies in the house today, and brings him before great men. But I need you to get this. But are you making room to leverage your gift? Because you're, listen, God, I said this in another episode, God can't give you a big blessing through a small window. And some of you are looking at your gift so small, so singular, that when God is trying to multiply, which by the way is my conversation for the final week, that's the whole scale. Listen, scale means to reach the highest point of, to rise in a graduated series. I'm gonna talk about that in part five. But if you're going to multiply your gift, and I believe I read that by verse Genesis 1:28, week one, week one or week two, which is my mandate to teach from, which is God has called all of us 
to be fruitful, to multiply and have dominion. And that's what I'm teaching from anytime I'm with you. So if you're going to be fruitful with your gift, you got to leverage it fully. Leverage means producing good results. How do you produce anything if you haven't fully leveraged it? And I see so many people that live in mediocre and good enough and they settle in their business. But I need you to understand when you put the extra with the ordinary is what makes your gift and your business extraordinary. Just imagine that put extra, write extra on a piece of paper, then write ordinary. Those two words together make up the word extraordinary. See, that's the difference between an athlete that then wins an Olympic gold medal. Hello, Serena Williams. That's the difference between a, a young girl that gets raped every day, that then one day becomes Oprah Winfrey. Hello, extra with ordinary. That makes the difference between a little black girl from the South side of Chicago, ordinary. That when she put the extra with it, she became the first black woman First Lady of the United States. Hello, Michelle Obama. Are you guys getting my point? Or how about a little girl that practices every day? Every day after school, she starts at nine years old. She practices day after day after day after day. What were y'all doing at nine? I definitely wasn't practicing with my friends. Every day after school, I wasn't look taking my summers and practicing my craft and growing my gift and leveraging my gift day after day after day. I wasn't doing that. See, it's that extra with the ordinary that makes that little girl become Beyonce. So really, I need you to understand leverage is the key to really go after your abundantly above all. See, God never intends for us to stay where we started. If you've been with me, you've heard me talk about a quote I, that I, I borrow <laughs> from my pastor covering Isaac Petrie. And he says all the time that we grow on levels and we go through stages. And so I ought to talk about the fact that our purpose matriculates, that and when we're in school, we know we're going to edu- we're going to matriculate through the education system. For those of you that haven't heard me talk about this, we know we got to go through kindergarten and elementary before junior high. We got to go junior high. And some of you went to middle school, same thing before high school. And then if we're going to go on to college, you can't go to grad school without going to undergrad. You can't get a PhD without getting a master's degree nine times out of 10. Need I say more? That's matriculation. But the difference between your purpose matriculation process and the education matriculation process is God doesn't tell you every step you've got to take. It's up to you to leverage it. Another great example that, you know, yesterday my husband and I were talking and we were watching um, a documentary about the Lakers, to be honest with you. And he started talking about this study that he read in a book that he started sharing with his team. And so I looked it up and I'm going to read it because I don't want to mess it up. Listen, this is a great example of leveraging. The fate of British cycling changed in one day. Now, let me tell you why this is so significant. At the time, the Great Britain cycling team endured nearly a hundred years, a hundred years of mediocrity. Since 1908, British riders had won just one, just one gold medal at the Olympic Games. Now this was 1908 to 2003, by the way, one day in 2003, everything changed. So from 1908 to 2003, however many years is that? <laughs> they had only won one Olympic gold, um, medal. In fact, listen, which makes matters worse in the Tour de France. And we all know if you've heard of cycling, you've heard of the Tour de France, which is the the creme de la creme of events in the cycling world. In 110 years, no British, no Brit 
cyclist had ever won in 110 years. And then listen, other British, uh, other British um, manufacturers refused to sell to the British team because they thought, I don't want people to think that they're losing because of my bike. <laughs> so they were just looking pretty bad, pretty, pretty bad until the day that they hired a new coach. The coach's name and his, his last name is Browse. I think his first name is Browse Ford. Okay. Now, what made him different from other coaches was a strategy that he referred to as the aggregation of marginal gains average the aggregation of marginal gains which was the philosophy of searching for a tiny margin of improvement in everything you do a tiny margin of improvement tiny so imagine i call this the 10 percent more factor so if i just focus on 10 percent more listen if i want to jump from here and if i was standing in my driveway all the way to the other end of my driveway regardless of how big your driveway is there's no way that you can jump unless you're a long jumper and you're an olympic hurdler or something like that that you can jump from one end of your driveway to the other but if i focus on if i just jump 10 percent more and then 10 percent more and then 10 percent more i'll get to the other side of that driveway Again, this is what made the difference between Beyonce at nine practicing every day. It's the 10% more principle, or as Brailsford would call it, the aggregation of marginal gains, small improvements every day. And so what happened because they did that? Listen, where's my, my updates, okay? So they started making small adjustments. They started finding improvements and overlooked in unexpected areas, okay? So listen, five years after they started to make these improvements, in the 2008 Olympics, they won 60% of the gold medals, 60%. So they went over a hundred years without, with only winning one to winning 60% of the gold medals in one game. Four years later, in the Tour de France, listen y'all, they nine Olympic records, they said nine Olympic records and seven world records in the Olympics. But then Bradley Wiggins became the first British cyclist to win the Tour de France. I go on and on about awards. They won the next in 2015 and 16 and 17. And so listen, they went from no ranking to top ranking just by focusing on how to leverage a little bit more of my gift. Okay. So how does this happen? I want to uh, share a story from the Bible that I absolutely love. It's what happens when you use what you already have, mutually leverage what you already have. And it's Elijah and the widow's oil. This is in 2 Kings 4, 1 through 7. And this is going to teach us, as I'm going to walk you through in a few minutes, the eight steps to leverage your gifts and actually go after 10% more. But I want to read the story of the widow who's going to shine a light on our journey. Okay, again, it's 2 Kings 4, 1 through 7. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophet cried out to Elisha saying, your servant, my husband is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. And the creditors are coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. Now, apparently when you had debt back then, they could take your kids as repayment for the debt. So verse two, Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maid servant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Then he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons, shut the door behind you and your sons, then pour into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. 
So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her, she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Then she came and told the man of God and, and Elisha said to her, go sell the oil and pay your debt and you and your sons live on the rest. Now I'm going to walk you through the eight steps or the eight things you really got to do if you're going to leverage your gift. This is before you can scale. This is before you can say how I want to make more revenue. Even if you want to add systems in your business, you've got to leverage your gift and talents, your brilliance, your purpose first. Okay. You ready? And I'm going to walk back through this Bible verse and tell you where this is reference to this. So number one, you've got to do something you've never done. Number one. You know, what I find so many people doing is if you keep doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result, uh, isn't that the definition of insanity? <laughs> Those of you that have heard my story of failing in my business for 17 years, the reason I failed for 17 years is I kept doing the same thing over and over. I just kept adding extra hours to it or adding an extra day, but it was the same thing. If you want something you never had, you've got to do something you've never had, which means you're going to be uncomfortable. I think so many people want to stay in comfort or they, they, they quit when it gets hard and it's getting hard because you've never done it before. And so you might make a mistake. The word mistake is think about it this way. A mistake, miss, M-I-S, take, T-A-K-E. So that means that you just mistaked it that time. So if you do it again, you learn the lesson and you do it the right way the second time, but you quit. And the reason nine times out of 10 you make a mistake is because it's different. So you may not know what you're doing and that's okay. Learn the lesson and move forward. Mm -hmm. So you've got to push past where you are, push past what you even already know. So when the, the, when Elisha said to her, first of all, she said, and I said this in a previous episode, I think it was in episode two, your maid servant has nothing in her house, but so she's overlooking what she has already. Cause she said, I have nothing but, so in other words, she has something, but she's overlooking it. And because she's going to do something different with what she has is why she's overlooking it. Okay. I often say this quote, the tools you've used on this level are not sufficient for your next. And because you can't see from inside the jar called you, you'll never see how you can activate it. So important that you've got to do something different if you want something different. So that's number one. Now, the thing I think is I'm going to jump back and forth in this um, story, by the way. He said to her, um, let me see. And when you have come in, this is verse, verse four, you, sh you shall shut the door behind you and your sons, then pour it. Now, why do you think he said shut the door behind you and your sons? So number two is you've got to do an environment check. Okay. You know, there's a quote that says you are the sum of the five people closest to you. But when God is doing something different in your life and you're having to make a pivot to do it, now think about what a pivot is. It means one foot might be where you are right now, right? If I had a ball in my hand, let's say this is a ball. Somebody, this is my lip gloss, but it looks like a ball. <laughs> I'm playing basketball and I have a ball in my hand. A pivot term means I can't move one foot while I'm turning the other one to make a shot or do a pass. If I move the other foot, they call that traveling. Those of you that know sports. So a pivot means your, your one foot may be presently where you are. And God might be calling you to move. So for me, I, my first career was in the entertainment industry. When God started calling me to do this thing and I started talking to my friends about it, they started saying, girl, are you crazy? Uh, and I felt crazy. 
So I realized I had to stop talking to them, not because they weren't supportive, not because they didn't love me, but if I didn't understand what I was doing, why would I expect anybody else to understand? And what happens is when people start to second guess what you're doing, it makes you start to second guess what you're doing. So why I believe Elisha told the woman, shut your door. And so no one can tell you, girl, have you lost your mind? There ain't no oil in there. You got this much oil. You think you're going to pour that oil and it's going to fill the jar? Yeah, you're crazy. <laughs> and she probably felt crazy too. So you've got to realize that you've got to do an environment check and realize who is around you and are they pouring into you? Are they going to get what you're doing? Because sometimes it's nobody else's business but you and God. The other thing you got to do is be careful who you're talking to. I heard people that, that I meet people all the time when I start coaching them, we're having our first coaching call and they start telling me the advice that their friends gave them that don't have a business or your friend might have a business, but they don't have a successful, profitable business. Why are you listening to that group of people give you advice about your business when they don't have a successful business themselves, or they may have a business that's altogether different than the business you're trying to start. So you've got to be mindful of who's pouring into you and shut your door. Shut your door, especially if God is pouring into you and, and giving you insight and telling you how to maneuver your gift. Sometimes you might think you're crazy. I know I did. <laughs> I know I did. Which moves us to number three. That's when you've got to increase your faith. Now, one of my favorite Bible verses, I have so many, Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So if you're doing something you've never done before, part of the reason why I always say your comfort and your conviction can never coexist, is going to be uncomfortable when you're doing something you've never done before. I believe God puts us in those situations, so we have to trust him. Otherwise, we would think we were doing it in our own merit, and we're not. So faith comes when you're having to do something outside of your comfort zone, something outside of what you already know, something that makes you use your gifts and talents in a different way. Hello, purpose matriculation. So when God started calling me out of the entertainment industry and I didn't understand why, because I loved it. I didn't realize that what he was calling me to do was still producing and casting, which is what I do here in my business as I put you in the right role in your business and my team and I produce all your programming. So I didn't understand that, that I was using the same gift but God was matriculating it into another arena, but I had to get out of my comfort zone. Another example of this is, is uh, Abraham. Now, the thing I think is so interesting is a number of names that get changed in the Bible. When God calls people, I brought a list of them down here. When God changes people's names is because they moved into a different arena. So Abraham's name was Abram. I'm going to read a couple of Bible verses from about him in a second. But even Sarah was Sarai. Jacob, his name became Israel. Saul became Paul. Uh, Mara became Naomi. I can go on and on. The Bible goes on and on about names got changed because they did a pivot from where they were into their next level. They leveraged their gifts at their next level into a new arena that God was pulling them into. Okay. And listen, there's a whole story about Abraham. I'm only going to read two, two verses, Genesis 12, 1 and 2. Now, the Lord has says to Abram, remember his name was Abram first before he became Abraham, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. 
Now I use this Bible verse a lot when I'm teaching you because I really want you guys to get this. He says, get out, get, get out of what you're comfortable and go to a land I'm gonna show you. In other words, I'm not telling you where you're going. You just gotta trust me, step by step. He didn't say go down the street. He said, go to a land I'm gonna show you. So in other words, he said, get moving. And I'm gonna show you along the way. So that's a whole level of trust. The same way that Elisha said to the woman with oil, listen, gather all your vessels and then go get some from the neighbors, get empty ones and take that little bit of oil you have and pour it. Now, if I had this much oil in my, in my, and, and, and guys to go grab a whole bunch of water bottles and fill them, I'm like, but it's only this much water in your Lord. How am I going to fill it? That requires a level of faith, a level of trust. The, the fourth thing I need you to get is it also requires a sacrifice. So listen, the woman thought she was gonna take this little bit of oil, the little bit she had left and live on that and probably die. So when, she, when he said, go gather vessels, she had to sacrifice what she already had to go and do this thing that Elisha, her coach was telling her to do. So I need you to get this. Sacrifice is, 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 is sacrificing something important or precious for the sake of gaining something. You get this or allowing something to happen. So many of you, the reason your business won't grow is because you're not willing to make a sacrifice. I know for me, there's three things I've learned. I had to learn. Now, first of all, in the examples I gave you, Beyonce practicing every day at nine years old, she had to sacrifice what? <laughs> a whole lot of time that she could have been a summer camp. She could have been playing and riding bikes with her friends. She wasn't doing any of that. Even Oprah and watching her trajectory and all the things she had to go through to get there. Or Michelle Obama graduating from Harvard. You think she didn't have to sacrifice something? Even Tyler Perry, who produced his first play, living in a car. And that was a whole lot of things he sacrificed. And so in my journey, now I didn't have to live in a car by the grace of God, but I realized I had to sacrifice my time. I started getting up at 4 a.m. when I started doing this thing because, listen, I had a full-time job. I was an adjunct professor at two schools. I had just gotten married. I had bonus children. So I was trying to be the great bonus mom and getting them, making people breakfast and making lunches when they would go off to school and or summer camp. <laughs> so in order for me to have the time that I needed to work on my business, I would get up at 4 a.m. Did I like it? No, I never liked it. It would be so hard to get up. But I was willing to sacrifice a little bit of sleep so I could do this thing and do the work to grow it. I wouldn't be where I am now had I not sacrificed that time. The other thing I had to sacrifice was sleep. I kind of said that, right? But the third thing I realized I had to sacrifice money. So we'll dig into this even more in part two, but here's what I began to realize is that if I'm going to do this thing, I have to stop relying on other people's money to do it. See, God gives each of us an opportunity to make money. It's called a job. I started calling my job my investor. I started looking at how can I take the investment funds I get every paycheck, pay my bills, and what do I not need? That's when I took my fingernails off. I used to get my fingernails done every other week. I now wear naturals because I got used to it. That's when I stopped getting my perm. Hello, hello, natural hair. Didn't even know my natural hair was going to be cute. <laughs> I started looking at what can I let go of and not pay for? What's not a necessity? So I could use that extra money to go into my business. And because I made those sacrifices, time, looking at how I've spent my money, and really sacrificing every way I could. My question to you is, what are you sacrificing to leverage your gift and grow it in a new and different way? 
I knew that I had to spend more time and I had to spend more money. And listen, you don't reap or you don't sow. And my business didn't grow for years because I wasn't sowing into it the right things. Listen, I had a whole free notebook, y'all. Whole free notebook. I hadn't hired a coach. It wasn't until I spent $30,000 to hire a coach. Expensive, yes. But you get what you give. I realized I had to invest at the level I wanted to see the return. That investment, a $30,000 investment, I did everything my coach showed me to do. I went from, listen, I was making 13,000 at the time of my business. I'm from 13,000 to over 200,000 because I was willing to sacrifice my time. I was willing to sacrifice a little bit of sleep. I was willing to sacrifice what I didn't need in my budget and I made my budget really, really lean. So I could do the things I needed to do. And most of that budget sacrifice was before I met my husband. So, so many people say, well, you're married. No, listen, I started my business when I was single, having to pay rent, having to pay lights, all those things. And looking at what can I let go of to make it happen. I started inviting my girlfriends over to dinner and making dinner, started going out to dinner. I did all kinds of things so that I could have the extra cash I needed to do this thing that I know I'm called to do. What are you willing to do to make it happen? And stop making every excuse why now's not your time, why you don't have time, or why you don't have the money in your budget, or why and why and why and why. When God is not looking at your bank account, he's not looking at your schedule. He's not looking at your resume. He's checking your faith. What will you do with what I've given to you? How will you leverage to grow? And so those are the first four steps. We're going to stop here and take a quick commercial break and we'll be back for more. Can I have a real conversation with you? I'm sure you have already realized that the purpose to profit business space is flooded with courses and coaches and all kinds of hype, all promising to help you get results, but ultimately only adding to your overwhelm and frustration. Now, can I tell you there are three main reasons business owners and people who want to start a business alongside their nine to five, that they struggle to create a business that aligns their purpose with being able to generate massive income with impact. And they are, number one, having unclear messaging. Number two, work and or tech overwhelm. Or number three, lack of a solid strategy. Do any of those three sound familiar? Now listen, I've heard these three struggles and pains in my experience serving and talking with amazing people worldwide. But can I tell you that these are only symptoms of a much more significant issue the real problem is a lack of a clear point A to point B system that's easy to follow. And that's why I'm gifting you with my free BMA Roadmap template. You can download yours by going to bmaroadmap.com. Now listen, this is a clear roadmap that's been proven to help people just like you discover your purpose and create a business out of it. So you can fulfill, sell, and manage everywhere that you'll serve your clients and plus have the freedom of a business that both works for you and does it while you're not present. And ultimately, it allows you to not just gain for your own pocketbook, but that you ultimately gain for God in no time flat. So if you're struggling with any of these issues, I'm gonna give you some clear, proven, and easy to implement steps that you can start right away. Ready? Get the insider secrets and download my free gift to you by going to bmaroadmap.com. So many people wanna scale. They want to create more revenue. They want to grow their business. But if you don't leverage your purpose and you don't leverage it the right way, for that matter, your business will not grow. 
So we're going to continue here in part two. Leverage means to use for gain. Second Corinthians 3.18 says, But we all, with open face, belonging as in a glass, the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, the thing I think is interesting is it says from glory to glory, not one glory. So one glory isn't enough because in every season of glory, we experience a new order that God brings to our lives, our purpose, our meaning, our calling, as we mirror his image more and more and more. So really this whole conversation is about leveraging what you already have. I started it by reading to you the story of the widow's oil, which is in 2 Kings 4, 1 through 7. And I'll dig into that story more here in part two, but here's what I want you to know. I call this the 10% more rule. See, what you have to focus on is leveraging your gift and growing it 10% more year after year, quarter after quarter, month after month. And it's gonna require you to make a shift. I talked about a pivot in part one. I'm saying a shift here. A shift is a change of gear, allowing you to accelerate. So to do that, here in this series or this episode, I'm walking you through eight steps to leverage your gifts and go after 10% more. So in part one, I give you the first four. Number one, you have to do something you've never have done before. So if you want something different, you've got to do something different. Number two, you've got to do an environment check. And I want to add to that number two, Romans 12, two, that says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So again, if you're going to transform and not con form, con, like a con man, that's already doesn't sound good. What happens is we stay in conformity when God is transforming us and he doesn't transform us once, it's from glory to glory. It's ongoing. I need y'all to get this, okay? So I want you to understand that conform means to act in according with the prevailing standards, attitude, practices. It means to be or become similar in form, nature, or character. That's what I believe in the widow's oil. Elisha told the widow to close the door. And here it is in 2 Kings 4, 5. So she went from him and shut the door behind her. And the reason being is if you're going to be transformed, you've got to get out of the environment that's going to make you conform. People get used to who you are today. So when people say things to you like, who do you think you are? What they're doing is trying to keep you conformed to who you used to be instead of moving into who God is moving you into, shifting you into, pivoting you into what's next. Number three, you've got to increase your faith. Number four, it requires sacrifice. Now, in this conversation, I'm going to walk you through the next four. If you missed any of them, you know they, that, that you can join the podcast. Podcast goes live every Friday, 5 p.m. EST at fpppodcast.com. I see more of you are joining, so good morning. So number five out of our eight steps is you must be a good steward of your gift. Stewardship means, and we hear about this in church all the time, you know, stewarding our 10%, but it's so much bigger than that, than just 10% of our money. Stewardship means the conducting, supervising, or managing of something, especially the careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. Now, I talked about this in episode 15 of the podcast when I talked about the episode was called Giving God a Great ROI. Ultimately, stewardship is a call for us to act responsibly. 
So your talent is God's gift to you. What you do with your talent is your gift back to God. Now, even in number four of our eight steps, which again, is re it requires a sacrifice, you've got to know. It not only requires a sacrifice of the three things I'm going to tell you, we are also responsible for these three things as we give God a great ROI, great return on his investment in us. See, God is looking at how we steward our treasure, our money. He's looking at how we steward our time and he's looking at how we steward our talent. So every time we make an excuse of why we can't do something, yet you, what you're saying is, I don't wanna act responsibly with my time. When you're not looking at how you allocate your day so you don't have time to do that extra thing that God is rumbling in your spirit. See, I want you to get, you'll ne it'll never be the right time. You'll, it'll never work out comfortably. I shared this in part one, but even as God was rumbling to grow my business, and I'm gonna tell you step number seven is what I needed, but step number, this one, I kept adding more of it, time, time. I started getting up at 4 a.m. Did I like it? No, I hated it. But I wanted to be responsible with my gift. John 15, 16 says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. I want you to get this. You did not choose me. God, you didn't, look, God, literally, I want you to get this. I chose you, this is God saying this to you. This is actually Jesus saying this, but you know, Jesus is God. And he appointed you to bear fruit. Remember, fruitful means to produce good results and that your fruit should remain. How's your fruit remain? You can't water your, a fruit tree one time and think that the fruit's going to remain. So if your gift is part of the process of, of growing that gift in you is to water it, to, to nurture it, I need you to get this. The goal is to grow more of it, to prune what's not working, to grow what is, and then to look at what you can do to actually multiply it. We'll talk more about multiply in our last episode. But the purpose of God gifting each of us with our purpose is to work. And when we're good stewards of our gift and we do the work God created for each of us to do, we honor God. Plus, we enable others to thrive because there are people that need us. So the ultimate goal here is that you're a good steward of God's creation. As it says in Ephesians 2.10, Paul said this to the, the church, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. See, God was strategic when he gifted you. I talked about this in episode one and dominating your lane. So your gift matters. You're essential to God's plan, which moves us into number six. Don't rush the process. Now, there's another story I want to bring in here. I'm not going to read the whole story. This is Jesus told a parable about the prodigal son. The entire parable, if you want to read it, is Luke 15, 11 through 32. And that's Luke 15, 11 through 32. What I'm going to read here is Luke 15, 11 through 14. Okay. A certain man had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So his father divided to them, him and his brother, his livelihood. And not many days after the younger, younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country and there wasted his possessions. But when he had spent all, he arose 
or there arose a severe famine in the land and he began to be in want. So you got to understand with this prodigal son, he wasn't ready, but he was like, I want it now. So many people start a business and they skip steps because they're rushing a process or it's, they say things like this is taking too long. Or, I don't want to do all of that. You've got to understand it's a process. Another way you can look at this is like a jerry curl. Now I did this conversation probably about two years ago. The three principles of jerry curl can teach you to build a successful business. And this is one of the biggest ones. When you rush the process of a jerry curl and y'all know many of you know what a jerry curl is. Some of y'all might have had one. Listen, I begged my mother to give me a jerry curl. She said, you better wet your hair and call it a day. So I wanted my jerry curl to look like Donna Summer. Hello. <laughs> but I remember in the eighth grade, one of my good, good girlfriends, still to this day, her name is Tracy. I remember she came to school. She had this beautiful jerry curl. It was turning light color. It was, she has light eyes. It was beautiful. And she came to school and all of her hair fell out. Why? because there's a system, a process that you've got to go through to put a jerry curl in. If you skip a process or you do a process in the wrong way, hello. So like the son wasted all his money because he didn't wait to understand the process. And like my girlfriend, whatever her hairdresser did, met all her hair fell, fall out. See, jerry curl is a system. Things have to happen in a certain order. In the same way, God is a God of order. The thing I think is so deep is 1 Corinthians 12, 14 through 18. I'm not going to read all of it. <laughs> I give you this so if you guys want to go back and read it. And this is the MS ver MSV version. I want you to think about how all this makes you more significant, not less. A body isn't just a single part bound up into something huge. It's all the different but similar parts arranged and functioning together. So the thing I don't think many of us realize is each of us is a part of God's great system. And when each of us does our part, we activate the kingdom system. So if you look at your hand, your thumb doesn't do what your pinky does. Or if you think about your body, your eye doesn't do what your ear does. All of those things work together for the good. Hello. The same way we do. And so when we rush the process, we hold up the system. When we skip a step, when we do things out of order. And so what the widow teaches us is that she listened, which is number seven, you need someone with experience to help you. See, she knew she needed a coach. So she looked to Elisha for help. She knew she had taken herself as far as she could take herself. The prodigal son, he, he, he thought he could handle the money. But the reason he spoiled it all is he wasn't ready. You have to follow directions, but you've got to have someone that's giving you direction, especially if you've never done what you're doing right now before. Sure, you may have been successful in your first career, which is great. But when you're doing something called entrepreneurship and you've never done it before and or you're really trying to get in the lane that God created your purpose to dwell in. Some of you don't fully understand your purpose. It's vague. It's not clear. And so when you try to dominate, it's not working. And the direction you think you're going to follow is maybe the direction you took to, 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 to accelerate in your corporate career. By the way, that was me. I say this story all the time. The reason my business fell for 70 years, so many reasons, y'all. I could pull a layer back every episode. One was that I thought I'm an adjunct professor. I had been an adjunct professor at two prestigious universities, USC and Boston University. And I taught courses in program development. And by the way, I never applied for either job. I got offered both out of nowhere. It's called God. 
And so I was so full of myself that I'm teaching that I thought I could take some of this and, and apply it to my business, but there were so many more layers that I could not see. We all have blind spots. And so that's why the widow said, listen, Elijah, I need help. And the interesting thing is when he said, what do you have? She said, I have nothing but, which means she was looking over so much of what she already had. I need you to get this. So she needed someone with experience, but then she had to be coachable. She had to take action. By the way, if we look at it from a Jerry curl, that's that activator. You know, the activator sh- 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 is what made the Jerry curl look so good, y'all. But if you think about action, you don't put the activator in your hair one time, <laughs> right? So the widow had to stay complete to the action that she was given. The prodigal son had no action. He had no direction, which is why all of his money was gone. Step number eight, which is our final step, is you have to saturate yourself in the process. So no matter how you want to look at it, if you want to look at it from the, the widow, and what I mean by saturate, she stayed focused. Marie said, close the door. So I'm talking to all these people. She stayed focused. The prodigal son had no saturation. A Jericho, y'all know the Jericho looks fully good. Even if you think about uh, coming to America, just let your soul glow. And I can't sing, so I'm not going to sing the song, right? But it's in my head. <laughs> You've got to be committed to a Jerry Curl. Okay? So in the same way, if I bring it up to summarize, this whole 10% more is about growing. How are you leveraging on the next level? So, you know, what's interesting is continuing uh, uh, ongoing learning, lifelong learning. I was reading an article and it said, research has found that learning keeps brain cells working at optimum levels, which also may slow cognitive and memory decline as we age. You know, the thing that's interesting is I had the opportunity to meet, um, oh, her name, Cicely Tyson, I was going to say her name went out of my head, two years before she passed. And she was at an event, and let me tell y'all, fabulous, okay? So, you know, I walked up to her because I had to. And she said, baby, I will work until the day I die. Because when you don't work is when you die. And really what she was teaching us is that you've got to continuously be using your gift. And when you look at how you can grow, there will always be new technology you've got to learn. There will always be new ways of doing what you do. And if you don't stay cutting edge and stay ahead of it and learning and growing, there'll be social media apps you've got to learn. Baby, let me explain to you how many clients tell me, oh, well, I don't know how to do Facebook, so I'm not doing that. No, no, no. You can't say, well, this is just how I am. or I don't know how to do that and settle. Because what you're doing is being selfish. You're making it about you when there are people that need you. And when you stay in good enough and status quo, you're not saturating yourself in the process to grow to the new levels of the persons and the people that need you can find you. Ultimately, this whole conversation about leverage is really looking at the areas that are your weakest or opportunities for growth so you can grow from there. I talked about SWAT last week in, in our last episode. So with that, I want to hear from you. Where are you in these eight areas? Where do you need support? Where do you have questions? We want to hear from you. So let's hear from Yolanda this morning. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. My name is Yolanda Churchwell, and I help women entrepreneurs create back-end solutions so that they can take the hassle out their hustle and make more money and have more free time. Now, y'all know all day scaling is my thing, so I'm super excited when I saw that that's what we were talking about. Um... First of all, let me say that leverage is basically the ratio of your income to your expenses. That's that's the short version of it. What do you have coming in versus what's going out? 
Scaling and growing are two different things. Growing means that you are making more, but it also requires that you use more of those resources. So you're say you're a baker, you bake. Okay, well, guess what? Every time you bake more cookies, you need more stuff, more rep, more ingredients. Sorry, I couldn't think of the word. Ingredients, you need more electricity. Okay, but scaling is when you figure out how to make more money, but use those resources wiser. Or you figure out ways to get more use out of those resources um, without putting more money in. It's it's very important to know the difference. And everybody knows the saying that the average millionaire has seven streams of income. Actually, that's biblical and they messed it up. It's in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 2. And what it says is divide your portion to seven or even to eight, for you do not know what misfortune may occur on earth. See, even God says you need to be prepared. Even God says don't put all your eggs in one basket. Granted, he used Solomon to tell us that, but we know it came from him. So scaling is about getting to a point where you can create multiple income streams. Again, it's the difference between making more money. That means you're putting in more effort. It's just like growing. You have to put in more to get more. Whereas uh, generating income streams means that you just taking what you do and you twist it a little bit. You're not even putting that much energy in, but you're getting so much more from it. Okay. Um, and recently I've been reading this book and I keep telling y'all about the book. I finally finished the book, so I probably won't talk about it anymore. But I finished this book by Rick Ross. And Rick Ross actually came in, swooped in, and bought Evander Holyfield's house after he lost it to the bank. Evander Holyfield, he, he's the opposite of scaling. He just did investments based upon where the money was and not what aligned with what was him. So it's important that you use your gift in the way that God wants you to use it. Don't just go out and be signing up for stuff. Don't just go out and think that you're going to make money or pick up things because you want to make money. Make sure they align with your gift. So Evander didn't pick things that lined up with his gift and the bank took his house. But I say all of that to say Rick Ross bought the house at a discount from the bank. Now that's an asset. Okay, so he got a mortgage or in his case he don't, but he has an asset. Well, now Rick Ross took that house and he rents it out to movie companies. That's where Coming to America 2 was recorded at, was produced at. So he's making money off of an investment. That's the definition of scale. That's what leverage means. It means to take something that you got and figure out another way to use it. That actually is something that I probably wouldn't have thought of because I'm always thinking business resources. But, but you could use something that simple, his home, to leverage and scale. So, but again, it's in alignment with who he is. He's Rick Ross. He's Maybach Music. He's the big wig. He's everything that he does is top of the line. So you expect his home to be top of the line. It's easy for him to market it that way and to be able to do that. But it's in alignment with his gift. So I guess what I'm saying today is, yes, you want to leverage so that you can scale, but make sure it's in alignment with your gift. Be true to yourself. Make sure that when you're going to scale and you're going to leverage, that you're not trying to make more money and that you're not doing something that's not in alignment with your gift. Make sure that you know the difference between growing and scaling. Make sure you know the difference between making money and generating income streams. And if you ever have any doubt, catch me here on Tuesdays. I got y'all.
I love it. And let me tell y'all, uh, y'all I'll just put the cart before the horse. We're talking about scale next week. And let me say this, because we're going to dig into it even deeper than what she just did before you focus on that, because so many people focus on Yolanda's excited because this is the system solutionist. So she gets into systems and gets all excited about scaling. I need y'all to get this before you can scale. You've got to leverage first. I'm going to say this over and over because a number of people that come to me and even come to Yolanda that haven't fully leveraged their gift. So when you try to scale, you fail because you haven't optimized the lane that you should be in. Most people start businesses because they're trying to do a quick, fast, I'm going to make some money. That's not why you start a business. You start a business based on how God created and crafted you. And for many of you, you've been on autopilot for years. And because of that, there are things intrinsic to your DNA, your distinct natural ability that you don't even realize that you do. So you've got to stop, walk through these eight steps and get clear on your DNA first before you start looking at revenue streams. And again, we'll talk about that more next week. All right. So thank you, Yolanda. That was good. But y'all remember it for next week. <laughs> yeah, I'm so sorry. And Nicole is so right. I get so excited. But let me say this. Let me say that that is where Nicole helped me because I thought that I was there to help people who were growing their businesses. And I had to get clear. That's why I'm so excited. I got clear on the difference between growing and scaling. And as Nicole said, you, you have to go down that lane far enough that you have in some levels of success, you have to leverage. You have to know what it is that you're doing, how you do it and who you do it for. That's the clarity that I got in working with Nicole is in knowing who I should be working with. It's not that I can't help people who are leveraging. It's that that doesn't bring me a whole lot of joy. It's that once they've leveraged and they need to go to the next level, they need to scale. That's where I, my joy comes in. That's where what God has given me works the best. So make sure that you are clear on your purpose. And if not, get some help. Okay, I tried to bring it back to this week. I guess I was <laughs> and, and that's good. So, and I want you guys to really, really get this. Just because you can, Yolanda said this on a previous episode, doesn't mean you should. And when I started working with Yolanda, many people like her. This was me too, by the way, y'all. I used to call myself the inner catalyst because I was clear that I can see what's inside of you. So I thought I was a personal de development coach. I'm going to keep it all the way real. Till I started working with my coach, I was overlooking my adjunct professor. I was overlooking the consultancy I had going into businesses. I thought I was meant to be a personal development coach. And here's the thing. I can still see when you are in the way of your purpose. I had to shift and go into a higher gear of how I was looking at my own gift. That's why I get excited about it. And when it brings you life, that means you should be doing it. And all the stuff that you hate. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't like that I have to look at my budget, <laughs> but I'm a CEO. I got to do that. So I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the use of your gift when I'm coaching and teaching. I love it because I'm in my lane, just like now Yolanda's in hers. And that's why she got all excited. Right. So with that, Miss Meaty, did you want to add to our conversation? Good morning. I did. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. My name is Meaty Barnelli, and I am all things health equity, but I'm also a coalition builder and a convener of people. And so I'm excited to be here and share and just wanted to add, <laughs> thanks, Yolanda, and just wanted to add to the conversation about working with you, Nicole, and how you've helped me specifically talking about leverage. Um, leverage is also exerting force, right? Um, leverage is also... Um, maximizing one's advantage. It's also 
borrowing capital if necessary to have an expected profit for greater than uh, the interest. And my interest is health equity and disparities and all things nursing. And Nicole, just kind of what you were speaking about and Yolanda had alluded to is just understanding who you are, what your purpose is, and what is it you're trying to um, accomplish. And as a person who seeks to build coalitions and as a person who does convene people with the common purpose intact, you really helped me make sure, Nicole, that it's important to know what your purpose is and do that one thing and do that one thing well. And so I'm just excited to be here and to share. And I hope that folks understand the importance of um, it, it's not great or good to be a jack of all trades and a master of none. It's good to know many things, but you want to master something. You want to know what that one thing is that you do well and do it where you actually have impact. And that is something that I'm working on in my life now is everything that I do, whatever I'm a part of, I ask myself, Nicole and Yolanda, is this being impactful? When I leave this earth today or tomorrow, God forbid, would I be able to say I impacted somebody's life? Just like when you have a resume, just like if you're building a building, you've always you helped me, Nicole, to remember what you, you you can't serve everybody. So who is it that you're really seeking to serve, and what's the impact that you're going to leave? So when they're done working with Meaty or Yolanda or Nicole or whomever, what is that person going to say that they've gained, leveraged their their benefit from from working with you? So I just hope people really understand that as well. And thanks for letting me share. Good morning. So excited, always excited to have you both here. So listen, y'all, as we wrap. I really want you to understand that is so important that you get clear on the one thing. I love that Midi brought that up. One of the things I'll talk about is power of one. And even with that, can I tell you, I was praying about it because I kept hearing one in my head. I'm like, Lord, what do you mean? And what kept coming in my head is James Brown. And if any of you that know James Brown, he always says, start on the one. He go, one, two, right? He always says, start on the one. I'm like, Lord, I can't tell people to start on the one. And what God began to show me, it's the power of one thing. So when, yes, many of us are, are masterful at many things, but what happens is when you try to do 20 things in a marketplace, even two things, a confused mind doesn't buy. So you've got to master the one lane that God created you to dwell in first. I, I call it the Dinah Ross and the Supremes, and those of you that are too young for that, the Beyonce and the Destiny's Child. What's the one thing that stands out from the rest? Get clear on that one thing, your unique serving position, and be unapologetic about it. Sure, you can go into other things, but you want your brand to be known for one thing first. When you, and when I think about that, I think of Steve Harvey, who started as a comedian. Then he went into this whole think like a lady, act like a man or whatever. I'm going to say it wrong because I never read the book. And then I had the pleasure to work with him on Act Like a Success. Each of those brands still played off of him as a comedian that he was very well known for. So anything he does after that still grows because of his brand being known for one thing. So get known for the one thing. And when I'm saying get known, here's what I want you to get as I close this conversation. Many of you want to be Facebook famous. I don't care about you being Facebook, Facebook famous. I care about you making the impact God created you to make in this world. The only way you create impact is by people being able to see you and find you. When you have a muddy brand, and what I mean by muddy, think about when you go to the Caribbean. Don't any of you that have ever been to the Caribbean, the thing I love the most about going to any Caribbean island is how clear the water is. However, when we go to the beach here, mm -mm, it's not clear because it's all kind of toxic waste in our water. Many of you have toxic waste in the water of your purpose. 
And so it's my invitation to you to get that clear, make that so pristine and clear that people know the brand called you when you walk in a room. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of the Faith Purpose Profit Podcast. Now I want you to walk away from these episodes with value. So I want you to write down the answers to one of these questions. Number one, what was your greatest takeaway? Number two, what will you do different as a result of what you heard? You may have heard something you've heard before, or you may have learned something new. Either way, don't take the insight that you got for granted. I want you to commit to doing one thing different as a result of what you heard. And then I want you to share it. Share your takeaways in our Facebook group. Go to thebrilliancetribe.com and use the hashtag FPP podcast. Now, the last thing I want to ask you to do, if you got any value out of this episode is to share it with your community. Post it on social media. Tell people to join our conversation by going to fpppodcast.com. Now, until the next time, be extraordinary, be unapologetic, be bodaciously all that God created you to be as you connect your faith with purpose so that as you be the answer you were born to be in this world, God can give you the profit you deserve as a gift for a job well done.